Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome once again to another sparkling edition of Plank of the Week. There's been plenty of planks this week, but as ever, it's going to be very, very difficult uh, to make sure that we can name only 10. Uh, We've got nine, of course, to get new nominations, and we bring one across from last week. I'm joined today, I'm delighted to say, uh, in the company of the world-famous Carol Decker and television's very own Kevin O'Sullivan. Kevin, a very good... Hello. uh, Hello, guys. How are you both? Hello, Mike. Very well. Dialing in from Oxfordshire. Very nice. Very <laughs> nice. Let us know if you see any of the Cameron family driving by with their police escorts, would you? Uh, no, but Mrs May's just up the road. Oh, very nice. OK. Yeah, so, well, listen. Uh, and George Clooney, very, oh. very good friend of mine. He's just up the road. Oh, he's, very he's, nice. Well, you might get Harry and Meghan, uh, of course, who, who make, make this plank list so often that I sometimes have to consciously not put them in. Because they've actually met, they've actually made quite a few plankish uh, statements this week, including um, that they're finding it very challenging living abroad in Malibu, which, of course, as we all would, you know, uh, and also apparently that uh, uh, they've refused anybody and some some uh, I think it was some organisation in Australia who wanted to use their son Archie's name to put onto a new uh, fire fire plane, you know, an anti fire so plane, ungracious. and they said no. Uh, on the grounds that Archie had not yet entered public life. I mean, do it, Yeah, right. So, I mean, we've given him an honourable mention, but, Carol, why don't I come to you for your first nomination, please? OK, well, uh, my first nomination, I- I'm going to go for um, Jamie Oliver, <laughs> <laughs> who seems to come out with a, a cooking programme relevant to any circumstance within the blink of an eye. He's always ready to pounce. And um, this time he's got a show called... Um, keep cooking and carry on and he is uh, showing us what to cook with what you've got in your larder or your fridge right but normally he's in a nice big spacious kitchen a bit like james martin you know regular cookery program but this time because clearly he's thought well there's a lot of people out there who just they don't live like i do and they've got smaller kitchens they might be in a council flat you know so let's we better show some empathy so yes he's he appears to be cooking in his outside toilet <laughs> It's a really <laughs> tiny little room, and he's got two, um, I can't remember if they're gas, they're probably electric, like those little plug-in camping oh, things yeah. you can buy to cook on. I've, I've got some. And uh, and a very small knife and a chopping board and one pan. So it, it, it looks like he's camping because he's trying to show you, you know, even if you you don't have much money and you're in a tiny little kitchen, you can you can still cook something. You can keep cooking and carry on. And uh, he was recommending, you know, 
uh, used some prawns, used some, he had some really nice herbs, and then he was going, and a great thing for the kids is pasta. Well, of course, Gogglebox went to town on him going, there isn't any pasta. <laughs> it's right, actually. So, Funnily enough, I spoke... I know uh, Jamie Oliver is... is He's moved into national treasure status. I appreciate that. I'll probably get loads of hate Twitter mail, but I'm I'm going for Jamie. I just think it's beyond patronising. I really do. I don't think he's national uh, treasure status with all the employees of his restaurant chain <laughs> that went oh. bust who are now unemployed. I bet they're well, loving his show. He could have blamed that on Corona as opposed to Brexit. Which yeah, as opposed on. to him not being very good at running restaurants, because those <laughs> Jamie's kitchens were terrible, terrible restaurants. Food was shocking. Jamie we had Italian. one red thing, and the food was absolutely shocking. I, I, you know, I was very disappointed anyway, because living out in the sticks now, I get really excited when a new restaurant opens in Reading, and um, yeah, it was very disappointing. Anyway, well, that, presumably, that, presumably that, now, that program, though, that his cooking show uh, on Channel Four feeds into Channel Four's. Uh, apparent policy when it comes to lockdown television. They've gone gangbusters on all these shows that are made by celebrities with their wife pointing the camera, deliberately looking amateurish and not together in these difficult times. But yeah. that, what it actually does is another show called The Steph Show, which is this sort of northern woman who... Uh, I hate her. Well, I, I, yeah, well, yeah, I don't he, know her, but she gets my nerves. Yeah, but she she she's uh, was going to do it in the studio. It's the big launch of her show. Instead, because of the lockdown, they're doing it at her house, and it is a textbook lesson in technical hitch disaster. It is a <laughs> catastrophe. And so Channel 4, as always, getting it wrong. Let's do television like this. Let's do it home video style. No, it's rubbish. <laughs> but at least yeah, we're... At I, least I, we're I think at if le- anybody can stay in a professional environment, they should, because it looks better. Well, that's exactly right. That's what I'm doing. I mean, Kevin, you were in the studio, I think, on Saturday for your excellent first show at Talk Radio on Saturday. Uh, When you had all these great guests. You're not going to be able to do that every week, though, are you? So you're going to have a challenge next week to do as well. But it was brilliant, I have to say. And and talking about uh, getting excited when restaurants open, Carol, presumably when anything opens, if the fish and chip van came past, you'd be pretty excited at this point, wouldn't you? I'd just be so excited. I mean, we moved out of London 15 years ago, and, uh, you know, I've never been so grateful as now. Because I actually left my nail marks in the M40 when we moved out here um, in 2005. I was really worried about leaving London. And I've done nothing but moan about being surrounded by fields yeah. for 15 years. No, I, know. I was I like that when I moved to I moved to Wiltshire. I couldn't stand the silence. I was walking around at night going, "This is some, there's some madman's going to come and, and, and pickaxe yeah. me to death," yeah, you know, yeah, because yeah. the country's but obviously right now, full I'm of counting my blessings. full of maniacs. You I know. was stuck in London. I'd probably be, um, you know, psychotic by now. Yeah, well, Kevin and I are all psychotic, but not because we're stuck in London, but just for different reasons. <laughs> it's a full time. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. So, Kevin, let's have your first one. I'm going to go for the uh, Europe editor of the lofty magazine, The Economist, uh, Chris Lockwood, Mm. uh, who tweeted this uh, upon looking at a picture of Boris Johnson, a very sickly Boris Johnson. This is not someone who was at death's door a few days ago. Something incredibly fishy about this whole business. So what he's implying there is that the government and Boris cooked up his life-or-death struggle with coronavirus in order to get good publicity. You know, you scratch away the surface of some of these alleged, educated, impartial journalists, and they're screaming lefties who can't stand the fact 
that a Tory government is in charge, that a Tory prime minister is in charge, and that Tory prime minister, Boris Johnson, is incredibly popular with the nation. And to tweet that a man who was at death's door... Uh, while waiting, by the way, for his partner to give birth to their mm. baby, was faking his near-fatal illness is absolutely disgraceful. I don't like calling yeah. for people to be fired or sacked or anything like that, but yeah. I do think that Mr Lockwood should consider his position. I think you're absolutely right. I think we should rename him Chris Lockdown and just keep him out of... Uh, <laughs> I've actually of... got fra- friend. I'm obviously in the music business, and so a lot of which you could loosely throw into you know, the arts, so lots of people I know are very arty and very lefty. And, and on my husband's Facebook, because I, I, I don't do it on a personal level, some people we know and have always loved, they need a flipping tinfoil hat because they've been saying the same thing. He got well too fast. It was all a PR stunt. It was like I tweeted when he did the NHS um, clap on, um, on number 10's yeah. door, not death's door, that he doesn't look well. He looked terrible, didn't all. he? He looked terrible. Yeah. Should point out that that, that Lockwood, Mr. Lockwood, uh, a day after his uh, disgusting tweet, backed down. He said, "I have deleted a tweet that cast doubt on whether Boris Johnson has been seriously ill, as reported. I withdraw my comment and apologise for the offence it has caused." So how do you translate that, editor of the Economist? Hello, Chris. You better delete that that uh, tweet, and mm. you better apologise damn fast. Otherwise, I'm going to fire your ass. You know, the, yeah, it's absolutely. Quite clear you, I mean, it's is. also it's not a proper apology, is it? He's not actually saying sorry at all. He's, he's he's doing one of those things where you go, "Oh, I'm sorry, upset you," but I'm not actually sorry at all that I said what I said because no. I still actually oh, believe it. Also, following on from that, if I may, um, Sheila Oakes, who's the mayor of Hina in Derbyshire, oh, her, uh, yeah. When um, somebody had put up a post saying a little prayer for Boris. She wrote, sorry, he completely deserves this. He's one of the worst PMs yeah. we've ever had. Mm. It, that is just disgusting. Well, then, there was, then there was the union chief, uh, that, that uh, the union chief who said that if Boris died, he'd throw a party. Yes. And then oh, when I he challenged about it, refused yeah. to back down, say, I stand by every word, and then his union suspended him, pending an investigation. What do you have to investigate? Yeah, that's almost as good as the RSPCA taking three months to investigate Jolien Morm killing a fox with a baseball bat, despite the fact that he'd rung them up to say, I've killed a fox with a baseball bat. <laughs> you know, unbelievable what these people do. Now, uh, my first nomination, I'm afraid, I'm surprised they haven't made it in before this, actually, but they're the first time entry for the World Health Organization, who I have yeah. to say, uh, considering that their name is the World Health Organization, uh, are not really doing a very good job because most of the world is sick uh, and dying. And because of the fact that largely they did not take China seriously, they did not take the virus seriously. Now they've been criticised by the uh, the Australian uh, government because they basically said that what they think uh, can happen in China is the wet markets can reopen as long as they improve the hygiene. So Australia's Prime Minister Scott Morrison has said, look, not only is this the most ridiculous and irresponsible thing to say to China, um, but he says we in Australia, like every other country in the world, demand protection from this. You know, you cannot allow them to reopen. Worse than that, you're actually recommending that they reopen as long as they clean it up a bit. I mean, you know, Carol, it's absolutely unbelievable, isn't it? Well, apart from obviously the worst thing to come out of this for all of us is COVID and the damage to the world is, is almost indescribable. But, and I'm not a vegetarian. Mm. I eat meat and I appreciate that different cultures eat different things and we all sort of wrinkle our noses at, you eat that. But 
you can see when something's in a disgusting state. You can hear when it's in agony. Yeah. If something's destined for the dinner table, it should be treated humanely and with respect and cleanliness for the animal's sake, let alone ours. So I can't understand the Chinese psyche at all. I no. don't know if it comes from the the heavy communist doctrine that there's no kind of humanity, like everyone's just collateral, everything's just collateral damage. It doesn't matter. Mm. Feelings don't matter. Pain doesn't matter. Hygiene doesn't matter. It's it's all very, very odd. It is. But yeah, the, the thing about the Chinese is that, uh, uh, first of all, the wet markets are worth two billion quid a year. It's a massive economic uh, powerhouse in China. Yeah. That's why they don't want to close these markets down. Yeah. And when they said we are now, in view of the coronavirus crisis, uh, going to really crack down on these markets, we're basically going to close them down, except for medical reasons. Well, all the reasons people go and buy bats and God knows what are actually quasi-medical. They think, the lunatics, that these kind of uh, strange animals, if you boil them up and you make soup, are remedies for ailments. They're not, of course, but no. that's what the Chinese believe. So it's a very lucrative industry, and that's why they won't close down the... And how are you going to change a culture? You can't... It's, it's ancient... Exactly right. And well, the thing do you know is, what, Carol, do you know what? I, I hate to uh, contradict you, but it's not really ancient. Oh. The eating of all these strange animal, animals came in under Chairman Mao when there was such a huge shortage of food that people turned to eating anything they could get their hands on. And then it became part of Chinese culture. So it's actually less than 100 years old, all this bat eating. Uh, oh, but I thought you meant the um, medical side of it. certainly though. ingrained now, and the Chinese have taken to it like ducks to water. Mm. And what's interesting about the World Health Organization's attitude is that they're clearly uh, sort of in the thrall of China. They're very reluctant to criticise them. They're very reluctant to order them to do anything at all. And apologists for China in this country as well, uh, who say things like, oh, well, you know, they are changing. You know, they've now designated dogs as pets. And you go, what? Well, what were they designated as before? <laughs> Food, apparently. <laughs> you know. And also, I can't believe um, yeah. I, I agreed with Donald Trump, who last week, I think, called out the WHO and said he was thinking of withdrawing funds because they were very focused on China, just took China's word for everything on face value, didn't do their research, like, you know, he felt they were part of some kind of cover-up. And um, I, I, I always get really worried when Donald Trump said something I agree with. Yes, absolutely. Way, do we believe, believe 5,700 deaths total from coronavirus in China? Do we believe that? No. no. How could you? You absolutely exactly. could not. Carol, let's have your second nomination. Um, okay, who shall I get? Who shall I save for last? Okay, my second one. Um, I'm going to go with it's our second health minister blunder after the Scottish health minister. Yeah, she actually won plank of the her, week last week. Her home, yeah, her, her her seaside home. So New Zealand's health minister has been demoted after he ignored traditional lockdown rules, and also again is like the the Scottish health minister, the face of the policy on the telly, saying stay home, save lives. So last week, um, Dr. David Clark, he was photographed going for a mountain bike ride, and he was two kilometres away from his home. So um, he apologised for the incident and said he showed poor judgment and didn't realise he'd gone that far. And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the next thing he spotted, he's driving his family 20 kilometres um, to their seaside home on the beach. And in New Zealand, um, uh, politicians tend to have vans with their faces painted on the side, you know, vote for me and I'll set you free, all that sort of stuff. 
so he drove his family to their second home in a van with his face painted on it. <laughs> That's unbelievable. <laughs> That's just brilliant. It's, it's so stupid. I kind of, I think I sort of like it. <laughs> so there you go, Dr. David Clark, he's the second health minister. Yes, I mean... It is extraordinary, Kevin, isn't it, that these health ministers seem to think that uh, it's one rule for them and one rule for everybody else. Well, I just think that all politicians in power uh, who have been lecturing us about uh, observing the lockdown, quite rightly, uh, don't get me wrong, but they have to be very, very careful. And I know you were diffident about whether or not uh, Robert Jenrick, the uh, housing minister, was uh, out of order for his visits to his parents yeah. and nipping off to his second home. Uh, but it turned out that uh, other people, he said, oh, I had to deliver vital um, medical supplies to my parents. I thought, guy with four homes, loads of money, don't tell me that you're the only one can deliver medical supplies I to your parents. That. And, sh- and sure enough, that. sure enough, yeah. Sure enough, someone cropped up who said, no, I've been taking around their medicine. So all I'm saying is, uh, whatever we think about Jenrick, people like him have got to be ultra careful about the way they behave. He came, it wasn't a good look what he was up to. No, I have to say, I was encouraged to take the view that I took because the Daily Mail was making such a big thing of it. Uh, and I just wanted an excuse to tear the Daily Mail up on camera, actually. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's hard for them too, you know, whatever your wealth and circumstances, if you're separated from your kids and your parents, that it's hard for everybody. But they yeah. have to set an example if they expect the rest of us to do the same. Yeah, exactly right. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Kevin, who's your second nominee? Well, let's go for um, Paul Mason. Yes. A diehard Jeremy Corbyn supporter. And of course, formerly the uh, famously impartial reporter <laughs> for the BBC's Newsnight. Yeah. Uh, he is now uh, a pretty much a full-time Labour activist. Uh, you've seen this story of the, re- the leak of the big report, the 860-page report into what went wrong at Labour HQ uh, in terms of anti-Semitism and their investigating of it. Uh, that's the headline of the story, that 900 people from the Labour Party were investigated. Only 63 were expelled. Uh, Corbyn clearly stood by and didn't do very much. Uh, the Jewish community have said that Sakir Starmer, the new leader, has done more in four days than Corbyn did during his entire tenure to help the Jewish community. Uh, but uh, no, that's not the headline for Paul Mason. He, in a rambling five-part tweet, he said... Uh, that it was a national scandal that members of the Labour Party didn't like Jeremy Corbyn, conspired against him, and uh, actually were responsible for the defeat in the 2017 election and indeed the last election. This is not true, Paul. The reason that Labour lost two elections, the last one, the worst defeat since 1935, is that Jeremy Corbyn was hopeless. He, at best, 
stood by and allowed anti-Semitism to fester. Some say he's an anti-Semite himself. There's a lot of evidence to suggest that's mm. true. And the British people went to war against anti-Semitism. And we do not like it. And we will not vote for parties like that. And that's why they lost two elections. And that's why Corbyn has been consigned to the scrap heap of political history where he will languish forever as a useless Labour Party leader who led them to disaster. I found Corbyn's reign over the Labour Party so depressing. I'm not um, ideologically political at all. I've voted for every party and sometimes I haven't voted at all. But I do come from a working class Liverpool background where Labour's like a religion. You know, my parents, it wouldn't have occurred to them to vote for anybody else. They would never question it. Mm. And um, today, my beautiful, beautiful 92-year-old Jewish aunt is being buried. She died the other day. And her and her husband, they live in a little council house in Liverpool and they would have voted Labour all their life. And I just don't like to think that she ended her days wondering that the party she supported all her life had turned its back on her, Mm. you know? But isn't it typical? I mean, just just these apologists, uh, the Corbynite apologists who will not, like a dog with a bone, will not give it up. They still say this man was fantastically popular. It's an aberration that uh, he lost two elections. Uh, What's his name? Uh, Mason, our friend Mason, is calling for a a public inquiry into interference uh, in the Labour operation to try to win the election. Come on, you just lost and you massively lost. You know, this is the the way these, some of these uh, idiot Corbynistas say, Oh, well, the thing is, you know, uh, the uh, manifesto, that ludicrous manifesto, free stuff for everyone. uh, They said the thing is, it was very popular. Elements of it were very popular. Each element was extremely popular. But when you brought all those elements (laughs) together, it wasn't popular. Yes, that's bizarre, (laughs) isn't it? It's absolutely ridiculous. And the thing about Corbyn, of course, is you're not right to say that he's not popular because he is very popular. The trouble is he's just not very popular here. He's very popular in southern Lebanon. He's very popular in the Gaza Strip. (laughs) And he's really popular in Venezuela as well. They love him there. In Palestine, man, he's really up <laughs> They there. love him. Yeah, they got posters. The you know, they got posters of him on the wall alongside Yasser Arafat. A Che Guevara <laughs> hat, probably, yeah. Exactly right. <laughs> now, my number three is a gentleman by the name of A.C. Grayling. Now, I had never heard of this guy until about last year when the Brexit debate was kind of unfurling and losing the plot and everything else. But um, he's on the list again today because he keeps just making these relentlessly ridiculous connections to the European Union. And let me just tell you how he describes himself because this this is his um, this is his website okay it says Anthony Grayling MA D Phil brackets Oxon FRSL FRSA is master of the new college of the humanities and a supernumerary fellow of St Anne's College Oxford so Gosh. it's not easy to get him uh, in on a sort of a one minute show that you're going to do and ask him for a quote he's also written these incredibly sort of self-effacing books the first one's called the good book the next one is called Ideas That Matter. So, I mean, he's in no doubt about how brilliant he is. But uh, he's also got at the top of his Twitter account, he's got, of course, the inevitable spider, you know, from the days of the uh, proroguing of Parliament, right? He's got a fish um, and he's got hashtag reform, hashtag rejoin. And his pin tweet says, reform, rejoin, never give up fighting Brexit. And he made the ridiculous connection 
um, as many of these uh, sort of pro-European uh, people did, uh, Remainers at the time, when Boris Johnson came out of hospital, uh, they made the point that, isn't it amazing that Boris Johnson was saved by um, a Portuguese nurse? He made no mention, of course, of the fact that the other nurse that Boris praised was from New Zealand. He just wanted to make the EU connection uh, yeah. to say that, you know, well, of course, if it had been up to Boris, this guy wouldn't be living in this country anymore. He would have left because he's not welcome. I mean, it's just ridiculous, isn't it, Carol? I know. Well, they just leap on this, don't they, and make out that people aren't welcome. And, and I've, I've always found this really, really difficult to discuss with anybody that I know, particularly in my music community, mm. who, quite frankly, if they think that I didn't vote Remain, just think I'm Hitler. Yeah. It's been really hard to discuss <laughs> these things and sort of raise the point that, no, we need to get the right people in doing the right thing. And I believe that there is, um, um, the NHS has a, um, I can't even think of the word right now, where you can apply to still work, like a, um, a visa or something. Yes. They do want the right people in the right jobs, you know, and we are deeply grateful to anybody that works in the NHS, wherever they come from. I don't know why they try to interpret it any other way. Look, I think that, that uh, Grayling, AC Grayling, is the quintessential, uh, presumably reasonably intelligent, educated person who was turned utterly insane by the Brexit debate, whose passion for the EU is now unhealthy, unnatural and, frankly, weird. Yes. I mean, give it up, AC. We've left and we're not going back. But the, he will campaign for the rest of his life. He got it all out of proportion. It's perfectly all right. I mean, to, to I voted Remain. Uh, uh, but once we had a a referendum and the country decided that that's not what they wanted. I accepted it and I hope the country will get on with enacting what the electorate have voted for. Well, what does somebody uh, like AC Grayling make uh, of right now uh, what's going on in the EU and all countries like Italy and Spain feeling very abandoned yeah, by France you know what, and Germany? Carol, I take no pleasure in this. I'm not going, see, look, I told you we all needed to leave. I don't think that at all, you know, um, but surely... They must be able to see the flaws in the EU now. I don't understand how they can't... They only see it as perfect. It's really bizarre. Yeah, it's a really good point, because I think what's happened with the EU, that, that, that this coronavirus crisis will be very, very bad for the EU. What have we heard from the EU in this time of European crisis? Nothing. About one word about a month ago saying, oh, we might have a look at closing the borders all, all the way around the EU. Apart from that, nothing. And what do nation states... Uh, belonging to the EU do in this time of trouble. Uh, they fold in on themselves and they look after themselves. So this federal idea that we're all part of a working together European Union is being exposed as nonsense. Well, it really it's is. Not, it's an experiment, that's all it is. Yeah, and also, and also, the point is, every country in in Europe, in in the in the twenty seven nations, is going to be busted, financially broke, with no money whatsoever. So the idea that the EU is going to go to them and say, "Oh, do you mind giving us some money so we can keep living it up in Brussels uh, and and high on the hog in Strasbourg?" And people are just going to go, uh, "No." And particularly since you didn't give us any help when we actually really needed it, you can get stuffed. And apparently there are people burning EU flags now in Italy because they're so fed up with it. Well, they, lots of the mayors in this Italian towns took them down. And also I think it was whoever, um, is it president or prime minister of, of Hungary, I think it was, um, what they wanted was, uh, was it a, like a, a, a corona, equal corona uh, distribution yes. so that um, everybody was funded the same way as opposed to 
you've got more money than us. Mm. And he was saying, well, no, I think you should look at the um, look at the budget of Spain or look at the economy of Spain, see if they can afford to look after themselves before you ask us for money. Yeah, you know, exactly. so it, it's all very divisive and not as people think. That's no, what I've always thought. Definite plankery for sure. Uh, yeah. Carol, your final nomination, please. Okay, well, uh, bringing it up to some news of today and I feel slightly guilty picking this guy because I've known him for years and have a very cordial relationship with him professionally it's Eamon Holmes we are because um, we all love Eamon Holmes the actually the hat off Amazon I'm having it sent straight to him <laughs> um, because he uh, was talking about the 5G radio signals and masts as um, who knows maybe they are uh, transmitting the virus <laughs> he said I have an inquiring mind I'm not prepared to dismiss it just because it doesn't suit the narrative of mainstream media. I think everything should be looked into. And, of course, all scientists are saying, Eamon, please, somebody of your stature, can you not give this any credence mm. on major television shows? So, for example, David, uh, Dr. David Robert Grimes um, on his Twitter said, uh, 5G conspiracy theories are exhausting to debunk. Um, but they're zombie myths and they can do serious harm. And people like Eamon Holmes endorse them on air. It's exhausting. Please, Eamon, if you want to utilise your inquiring mind, talk to some scientists. And I can't believe that Eamon has said that. Maybe he's been isolating or something. He's gone a bit nutty. We're all going a bit nutty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kevin, you know Eamon probably better than, than, than I do. Um, and I've, I've, I really got to know him when he was working here at Talk Radio, and I found him to yeah. be an absolutely delightful guy. Yeah. And, and, and everybody does. But, but I think he does have this kind of um, slight... In, an occasional um, tendency to just go off piste sometimes, you know. I wouldn't be. I mean, and ITV are getting quite a lot of flack for it as well, saying saying that this is the second person oh, on TV. Complex, yeah. yeah, this is yeah. the second person who's said it. You know, uh, they might need to be censured for it, or they really need to put out a statement of some kind. I mean, you know, TV as well, Kevin, better than me. I mean, do you think that they'll say to Eamon, I'll tell you what, we better do a segment on this. We'll get a scientist in, and you can sort it out that way. Well, he's already uh, issued an apology for it, and I, I, they may get someone in to uh, re-emphasise that. I think what Eamon was getting at, and the reason he's a brilliant broadcaster and a great journalist, is you know, he really is like the people that he broadcasts mm. to. He's not uh, on high preaching to them. He's part of them, uh, and he's a normal bloke who understands what normal pe- people are interested in. Now, uh, the 5G mask thing, I think, was a palpable load of old rubbish, uh, but a lot of people were interested in it, and I think Eamon thought it was worth talking about. In fairness to him, I think what he was trying to say is, I'm sick and tired of people saying, oh, apparently we don't have to wear face masks. Yeah. Oh, we do have to wear face masks. Oh, apparently uh, tests won't be the, the will we'll cure all our problems. Oh, maybe they won't. Mm. In other words, it's this tirade of information we seem to get uh, only for it to be contradicted by the same experts not long later. So what I think he was trying to say was, you know, people are, are immediately saying this 5G mask stuff is rubbish. Uh, they've said that about a lot of other things, and then they've had to put it right. But I do think the 5G mask thing was a very poor example to yeah, use. Yeah, I, I take your point, Kevin, on all the rest of it. Can I just say how much I miss Eamon as the anchor at Sky? Oh, yeah. Because the great thing about Eamon is he can do all these lightweight TV things. And I, I've met him when I was a young pop star, when he was on, you know, morning telly and stuff. But he's an amazing journalist. Yeah. He can interview and grill a prime minister like, like Andrew Markan. You know, uh, yeah. he's a very clever man. And I get what you're saying about, you know, I, I, I'm driving myself nuts looking at 
different experts, figures, reasonings also, do this, don't do this, and I'm thinking, what's the best thing to do? Who do I believe? What's really happening? But I think to include a tall metal pole in that is a bit... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think we could say, and, and um, when Eamon yeah. listens... I love you, but you when I, yeah, Exactly, when Eamon listens to this, listen, that's just why it's called Plank of the Week. It's not nasty, we've just picked him yeah. because he's done something very plankish this week. And it, it was all started, of course, by David Icke, you know, uh, the most famous conspiracy theory producing former goalkeeper that I think I know. Uh, this is a guy who uh, uh, thinks that the Queen is actually a lizard and that Prince yeah. Philip uh, is also a lizard and people take him seriously. And do you know David Icke goes and does shows now around the world where he picks up, you know, literally hundreds of thousands of pounds from morons who pay 40 quid uh, to sit there and listen to him talk for three hours. It's absolutely it's incredible. It's alternative facts. Yeah, it's not, well, as it, or lies, as I like to call it. Well, I'm using the term loosely, obviously. <laughs> that was it. Who was that? She was one of Trump's spin doctors, and she she changed the world with that phase, because all of a sudden people went, yeah, alternative facts. Yeah. can say what I like, so absolutely. he can get paid a lot of money for his nonsense now, can't he? And brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Kevin, your final nominee? Well, um... I'm going to pick on the singer Sam Smith, right. uh, but actually he's just one of a number of uh, celebrities with. Did you just call homes. him he? Uh, oh, sorry, they, they. Sorry, I, I continue. They. I continue to call him he in the hopes. I'm going to that, shame you on Twitter for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to yeah. continue to to call him he in the hopes that he sues me and I get even more famous and get even more <laughs> listeners. Well, I'm not going to use. I'm not going to use they because that uh, misunderstands the rule. The, the rule of plurality. So, <laughs> they is a plural, Sam, so I can't call you that. I'm going to call you he. he. So, let's see how he well, What about it? Sue me. So, sue me. But Sorry, he, we interrupted you, has been pictured, He has been pictured weeping at his £12 million <laughs> home because he's so upset about having to self-isolate <laughs> in these difficult times. Yeah. Uh, I mean, get over it, mate. 27 years old and you're crying because you've got to be locked up in your £12 million mansion. No, well, I, I heard he'd just come off the phone from Megan. <laughs> he was so upset, so he got well, upset too. But so it, it, he, the other, the whole celebrity thing throughout this is uh, really getting on my nerves. So mm. apart from Sam... You've got Gordon Ramsay, who nipped down to his second home in Cornwall and can't believe that the locals hate him for doing that. <laughs> and, then, and then you've got the Beckhams, who've managed... It's, it's remarkable how many celebrities managed to get to their second homes just before the lockdown came in, isn't it? What a coincidence. Yeah. A few. Thank God they got there. Anyway, the, the Beckhams are up in their Cotswolds bolt hole, uh, taking copious pictures of themselves, you know, in their hot tub and their fantastic igloo out in the garden and God knows... That is so indiscreet. Like, I, I, I think you have leave to be very careful. Even if you live in a three-bedroom house with a basic garden, you've got to be very careful not to rub people's noses in all of that. If they're stuck yeah. in a flat with three kids and, a, and an old cat, you know what I mean? Oh, it's absolutely yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. But they can't, they can't help themselves. But it's actually setting out the, 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 the wheat from the chafe here for me because a lot of the, uh, of the, some of the celebrities who are doing the sort of Sam Smith routine uh, and being absolutely and utterly selfish and ridiculous and narcissistic, there's also others who are doing some rather nice things. I mean, you'll know Toya Wilcox, I'm sure, Carol. But she yeah, did I know a, Toya very well. She did a lovely little sort of ballroom dancing theme with Robert Fripp, who up until now I've always thought as the world's most grumpy man, you know. But here they were dancing in sort of full ball gown regalia. I thought it was brilliant. 
No, he's totally lovely, right. and Toya always, um, I can always make Robert laugh, so Toya likes having me on side. She goes, you get him out of himself, Carol. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so that's that's my, really, my, my uh, reason really... for living, is to make Robert Fripp laugh. <laughs> yes. Kevin. That's not my reason for living. Like, some celebrities have really stepped up to the plate. By the way, Ricky Gervais, who has been pretty vocal today, slamming these selfie-isolating celebrities, saying, just get off your high horse. We've got the NHS to worry. We've got people laying down their lives to treat people, and you're moaning because you're trapped in your £12 million house. He has been doing a nightly uh, half-hour broadcasting on Facebook uh, and on YouTube, which is, it's just to, to entertain people, yeah. to chat to people. And that's what so they should do. stepped up to the plate. Some people, have, some celebrities, you're right, Carol, have been brilliant. Uh, others, less so. And can, can someone tell the Beckhams, you know, we're just not interested. If we had a crowdfunder, they love money. Why don't we all collect some money together? Give them 50 grand and say, please, don't put any more pictures of yourself on Instagram. Now, and also, um, I'll probably get flack for this, but with um, Instagram... I'm really sick of all these women um, putting pictures of themselves up with uh, not very much clothing on, claiming to show us that they're working out and looking after their health and their fitness, when really it's just showing off your yeah. bod and taking, taking an opportunity to show everybody you've got great boobs. Yes. You know, it's, it's, there's a lot of them out there at the moment. I'm going to really try that. Me. Yeah, maybe I'll do one of those. Because, yeah. uh, you know, well, sure. you two might not be irritated by that. <laughs> no, I find, oh, I find Instagram... They're, they're so disingenuous. I was yeah. looking at, at someone the other day. I won't, I, I won't name names, but they're just going, oh, you know, I'm taking an opportunity with the lockdown. I'm getting on with my workout. I've, I've done this. I've had my smoothie. And I just thought I'd show you in my skimpy underwear how that's working for me. <laughs> <laughs> I know, no, I find Instagram to be completely and utterly not somewhere I go very often at all. You know, I, I, I tend to use Twitter. I tend to use Facebook. Um, and I just... I just don't really get Instagram. I just don't don't get it at all. No, I just put up pictures of flowers. Yeah, exactly boring. right. Now, uh, my final uh, nomination um, is going to be one I think that could be the winner, but we'll see. Um, oh. But but what I also do is I carry one over from last week because I was struggling about what I was going to do about Kevin Maguire. Because Kevin Maguire, the associate editor of the Daily Mirror, which Kevin and I used to work at, yeah. um, has been a complete plank, really, for probably the last two years, I'd have to say. Um, but uh, this week he managed to insult not only the Prime Minister, but the Queen as well. Uh, oh. So uh, I'm going to, you know, she made that fantastic speech at the weekend, you know, um, and all he could come up with afterwards was, well, it'd be nice if you'd donate some money instead of just sitting there in your, you know, your highfalutin castle or something like that. And then, and then he was another one who basically was very dismissive of Boris Johnson when he came uh, when he came sort of back to life and back from the dead as it were so he was number seven last week so he's going to carry over uh, because my real uh, plank of the week this week uh, is a Guardian journalist called Andy Sparrow now this is a bloke who you might not have heard of before I think he's a lobby uh, journalist works down in uh, Westminster all the time but he was attending the Easter Monday um, press briefing right in, in lieu of whoever normally does it and you know what these things have turned into now. It's just a load of, you know, of media people asking ridiculous questions to ministers who don't want to answer them. Um, and it's become a ridiculous charade, in my gotcha view. But... journalism. Well, it really yeah. is. But it's, yeah. but it's a hard... Why can't they make Laura Kunzberg go last instead of first? Well, exactly know. right. And Robert Peston, every single... You know, everyone's going second. And his questions are getting so long that they're going to have to extend the briefing for about a week, I think. You know, because have an get... intermission in the middle of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> but this... Uh, but, and also, but te technically now, they seem to be failing. I mean, I put out a tweet on, I think it was Sunday, um, 
Well, it's a great, uh, great new policy from the BBC. They've decided to mute their own journalists because this guy was asking a question. Nobody could hear it, you know, because they've all, they've, none of them can work out, you know, they're busy asking the government why they weren't prepared uh, to actually fight an unknown yeah. virus, but they can't actually prepare themselves to do a press conference by unmuting <laughs> their own computers, you know. <laughs> anyway, so this bloke, uh, uh, what's his face, Andy Sparrow comes up for his question, and he's similarly uh, in some way handicapped, not able to do it. So as he's trying to fiddle about, they say, we can't hear you properly, Andy, maybe you could fix your microphone or something like that. He stands up behind his laptop um, in front of the <laughs> webcam, and he's not wearing any trousers. <laughs> Luckily, he did have underpants. I mean, it was a very quick um, sort of flash because immediately you could see panic in old um, uh, Rob's, Dominic Rob's eyes. And he said, right, let's quickly move to the next question. And they quickly got rid of this guy. And on the big screen, somebody else came up with another question. Uh, but, it, but it did go the rounds on social media as, you know, as Andy Sparrow loses his, tra- loses his trousers. It was absolutely hilarious. Uh, well, my husband and I have been guessing because now everybody seems to be on a Skype. And if you notice how big everybody's noses are as well <laughs> on these home broadcastings, and we're guessing who hasn't got any pants on. We're going, yeah, he definitely hasn't got any pants on. And where's his left hand, by the way? <laughs> it really is. I mean, I bet you almost all of them are sitting there because a lot of people, especially if you're in a hot apartment, because my apartment in London where I'm staying at the moment, when it was hot the other day, it gets quite warm. So yeah. you're generally speaking, you're not really wearing a lot of clothes. And if you suddenly have to go and do some kind of Skyping thing, um, you probably find yourself going, well, I better put a shirt on, I suppose. Um, and then you don't, you don't bother with, uh, with the trousers. No, in fact, my husband did a Zoom conference call today. In a, he ironed his shirt, but he had his swimming trunks on. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that's, I think that is Britain in a nutshell, isn't it, Kevin? Yeah, well, that's, that, that's when I was a TV critic. That's what I always used to say to them. They said, "What's the best part about your job?" I said, "Being able to do it in my underpants." <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely You're right. Sitting on the sofa, not wearing much, watching the telly, you know. Brilliant, yeah. Dirty I know, job, I've been in a uh, greasy hair and a tracksuit a lot. I, I've been asked to participate in some lovely things, um, some um, NHS um, videos. Oh, yeah. You know, um, Lady Dodd and Ricky Tomlinson got in touch with a load of scousers, and we all had to sing along to... Um, Happiness by Ken Dodd. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. I wanted to sing more of my share of a penis, but they wouldn't let me, which I <laughs> think is a funnier version. And uh, they, they edited it all together, and it goes out, and it's a fundraiser and stuff like that. And I've been asked to do quite a few things that, uh, like that. And having to go, oh, my God, I need to do my hair and put some mascara on. <laughs> just, it's like an enormous effort right. now after three weeks of just slopping around in my PJs or a onesie, you know. I mean, I must say, weekends now, because I don't come in at the weekend, and so I'm home uh, alone in this flat in London. Um, you, by the time you get to Sunday afternoon, you, you, you're kind of going, yeah, yeah whatever, you know. I mean, you want to, are you going to clean your teeth? Well, probably, you know. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Mate, we're going to turn into a nation of slobs in this lockdown. Completely. We? Yeah, well, I mean, I think those of us who have lived like that quite a lot anyway, I mean, I always say to people, you know, I spent hours and hours doorstepping people in cars all around the world for absolutely no reason because they weren't even at the address that you were sitting outside. So, I, I, you know, I don't really mind sort of spending hours and hours, you know, endlessly doing not very much at all. Um, well, my my world is kind of feast or famine. So I can either be on tour and never home or I'm home all the time. Yeah. So part of it has been OK, but I have to say the first two weeks for me, I, I have... Um, as you've often said, defiance syndrome. Yes. Like you have. Yeah. So being t- we were in the pub when the lockdown announcement came. Right. And uh, the bartender said, landlord's just called, Boris has put everything on lockdown. 
and I, I resented that, being right. told to go home. I, I think we all did, yeah. I resented being told to stay at home. Yeah. Uh, I resent being told to do anything. <laughs> I had to come to terms with it. Right. So the first two weeks, I literally was like a caged tiger, just pacing up and down the mm. house. I wasn't getting anything. I wasn't using my time productively. Right. I was really grumpy about it. But now I've kind of... I've reached acceptance, yes. I think. I'm, I'm better I think, I think, I think a lot of us have had that same journey, yeah. if you'll pardon me using such a woke word. But um, mm. All right, here's what we do now, guys. We now have three nominations each, right? So what we need to do is reduce them down to one nomination each, OK? So, okay. What, so what we do is you should pick, Carol, which one of Kevin's you want to put forward. And then he can oh, pick yours. I've got to remember everything you said. Well, Kevin can tell you which his three are, or I can. It's up Go to you. on, then. Tell, remind me. Kevin? Uh, yeah, I did uh, the uh, the health editor. Uh, sorry, the Europe editor of the Economist uh, for doubting that Boris was really ill. Chris Lockwood. Uh, well, uh, I did uh, Sam Smith and celebrities high, uh, moaning about being trapped in their million-pound uh, mansions, and also Jeremy Corbyn's supporter mouthpiece Paul Mason. Uh, for claiming that Corbynites were the reason, uh, anti-Corbynites were the reason Labour lost the election. So, okay, well, one. out of yours, although having a go at Sam Smith would be wonderful, um, <laughs> I'm going to pick the, the health editor of the... Say it was the good choice. No, uh, uh, it's a good choice, I agree. Because I think that's appalling. Yeah, and I, I know this so. is a light-hearted segment we're doing here, but that that is absolutely outrageous, so I'm going to pick him. Okay, so... Um, Kevin, you should now pick mine. Um, my three uh, were, of course, AC Grayling, uh, the man with no trousers, uh, Andy Sparrow, and the World Health Organization. Uh, I tell you, you know, I'm very tempted by AC Grayling and the World Health Organization, which has been an international disgrace throughout this crisis. But I'm afraid uh, for two reasons. I'm going for Andy Sparrow. Once because... One because it's one because it's very funny anyway, and two because he works for the Guardian. <laughs> so typical of the Guardian, is it? So Andy Sparrow and no pants. Okay, so so now I've got to pick yours, Carol. Um, do you remember what your three are, or do you want me yeah, to tell you? Yeah, so I had the New Zealand health minister driving his family to the beach yes. with his face painted on his his van. Jamie Oliver cooking in a what looks like an outside toilet, so that he's empathising <laughs> with how small everyone's kitchens are. Um, and Eamon, think you know giving a little credence to the fact that, who knows, the virus might come out of a 5G mask. Yes. Well, because he's such a, a good friend of ours, Eamon, I'm not, I'm not going to nominate him because that means he'll still be in the top ten, but he won't be in the top three. Yeah. Um, so, and I think because the, the, the Health Minister of Scotland won it last, last week, I'm going to go for Jamie Oliver because also he could be the chief sort of representative of the celebrity um, sort of idiots who are doing stupid things and annoying everybody. So we now have three finalists. We need we need to get them down to two. Um, so we need to disperse, dismiss one of them. So we've now got Chris Lockwood, Jamie Oliver and Andrew Sparrow. So which one of those three is the weakest and it will come in as number three? Um, oh, it depends. What you, mm, uh, I might go the guy with his trousers. Okay. Missing is the weakest. Okay. Trevin, what do you reckon? Right, for that reason then, Carol, I'm going for Jamie Oliver. If you're say. <laughs> you like him and you've got all his books. I know. <laughs> so, uh, in that case, I have the, the deciding vote. In that case, I'm going to say, let's take Jamie Oliver out there and make him number three. Uh, okay. and, that, and that means the finalists are um, the economist Chris Lockwood and the Guardian's Andy Sparrow. It's a journalist special. Yay. So, so um, it's great, great fun to have the top two planks of the week as journalists. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon, Carol? Who's 
hey-ho. I could have done about ten. <laughs> so, tell us, who do you think should win? Um, in terms of just being um, utterly rude and horrible, I'd, I'd say Chris Lockwood. OK. Kevin? Yeah, I'm really tempted to go for Andy Sparrow because it's so funny. But, you know, these are pretty serious times. And I think yeah. if someone is going to say that the, the prime minister of this country pretended he was ill for a bit of good publicity, then the Economist Europe editor, Chris Lockwood, deserves to be the flank of the week. I think that's absolutely right. I cannot disagree. Uh, it's been tremendous, guys. Thank you so much for taking part. You've been yeah, epic. Uh, you were very good and you were very well behaved. And actually, we hardly talked over each other at all. So congratulations on very professional work. Thank you. And we'll see you guys soon. Kevin, you'll be back on Saturday on Talk Radio, right? I will, yes. Excellent stuff. I should look forward to listening to that. Carol, uh, I'm going to go home and listen to some of your music now, I think, after this. And, uh, <laughs> in your underpants. In my underpants, exactly right. As a tribute. As a tribute. And somebody said, whatever you do... Great to talk to both of you and Kev. I hope I'll see you soon. <laughs> okay. Thank you very All much right, indeed. So well, there you have it. Plank of the week, Chris... There you have it. Plank of the week, Chris Lockwood. We'll see you next week.